I'm Esther and this is Rebel Women for Kids, a podcast for, well, kids. It's full of amazing stories of daring and adventure and the best thing is that all these stories are completely true. And even though this is a podcast for kids, we think your grown-ups might quite enjoy it too. So pull up a seat together, get comfortable and we'll begin. Who decided kids have to go to school anyway? And why do you have to wear seatbelts in cars? And whose big idea was it to make us all stay at home and not see our grandparents for months on end? These rules, and many more like them, are all decided by our government, which is a group of people who run the country. Every five years, all people over 18 in this country vote on who gets to do that job. It's a pretty important job, so it's only right that everyone should have a say. One person, one vote. It hasn't always been like this. If we go back a little over 100 years, not every adult was allowed to vote on who the government was going to be. And some know-it-alls decided that women weren't allowed to vote at all. Not a single one of them. Not your mum, your auntie, your grandma. None of them because, well, because they were women. Some said this was because women were not clever enough to vote. But that's silly, because some of the smartest people in history have been women. It was a woman who invented computer programming. Three women were so good at maths, they helped put a man on the moon. And it was a woman who noticed how much old-fashioned cloth nappies leaked and worked out a way to stop it. Let's face it, the world is a lot less stinky and soggy because of her. So, of course, women were perfectly capable of voting. And a hundred years ago, they knew that too. They were pretty fed up with not being able to have a say on who the government would be. So they very nicely and politely asked for the vote. And they asked again. And again. And again. And yeah, this approach did not get them very far. So another group of women stepped in. They were known as suffragettes. And the suffragettes were done with being polite. In their battle for the vote, the suffragettes did some pretty wild stuff. They threw paint in letterboxes, they smashed windows, and they even chained themselves to the railings of Buckingham Palace. The Queen was not amused. They got in quite a bit of trouble for all this, and some were even put in prison. They didn't give up, though. They vowed not to stop causing trouble until they got the vote. One woman who went to prison was Sylvia Pankhurst. She was the second daughter of Emmeline Pankhurst, who some of you might have heard about in school. Sylvia was very close to her dad, who was a good and kind man. He instilled in Sylvia a set of beliefs, including no person going hungry and being paid a fair wage for a fair day's work. Sylvia was also a talented artist and painted many protest banners for the suffragette movement. She also travelled around the country painting pictures of women working in factories. She painted them in a very lifelike way, bringing attention to the long hours they worked in dirty and dangerous conditions, often for very low pay. She hoped her paintings would force changes and make the women's lives better. Eventually she moved out of her comfortable family home and to East London. Life in this area was very tough at the time, being one of the poorest parts of the country. People worked in filthy and dangerous conditions, often for 12 to 14 hours a day. They got paid very little, sometimes not enough to feed their children. 
their tummies rumbled all day with hunger, and having clean clothes and shoes were a luxury many could not afford. Families were very big in those days. It wouldn't be uncommon to have ten to twelve brothers and sisters. They were often all squashed into one room, and the room could be dirty and cold. As a result, the children got sick, and many died before their fifth birthday. Determined to make people's lives better, Sylvia formed the East London Federation of Suffragettes. She continued to fight for the vote, but she did lots of other things too, including setting up a community centre in Bow in East London. The centre was used as a library for meetings and classes. People could also bring their children there and get free milk. Back then, if you wanted to see a doctor, you had to pay for it, and many in East London could not afford that. So Sylvia arranged for a doctor to come each week and see local families for free. They also set up a canteen, which sold food cheaply. The food was not always very nice, but many were grateful to have their bellies warm and full. One of the reasons people were so poor was that there was little work around. Many local factories had closed down and any work women could find was often badly paid. So Sylvia set up her own factory where she made toys. Everyone was paid enough so that they could afford everything they needed for their families. Sylvia was not the only suffragette helping people in East London. Many women who'd been born and grown up in the area were also fighting for change. Women like Minnie Lansbury, who was the daughter of a Jewish coal merchant. She did very well at school and trained to be a teacher, but ended up taking on a full-time role with the East London Federation of Suffragettes. She went on to set up a vaccination clinic, a dentist, and gave free milk and a hot meal to the poorest children. In doing so, Minnie and the others she worked with helped to save many children's lives. Another East London suffragette was Sybil Smith, who set up a local nursery. They turned an old pub called the Gunmaker's Arms, because it was near a factory that made guns, and called it the Mother's Arms. Having a local nursery may be normal to you. Chances are you went to one yourself. But back then they were very rare, especially in poor communities like East London. If a mother needed to go out to work, she often left the older children in charge of the younger ones and hoped for the best. Can you imagine having to look after your little brothers and sisters all day? So Sybil's nursery made a huge difference to local families. They could leave their children in the care of the other grown-ups and know they were being well looked after all day. In 1918, the suffragettes were finally successful in winning the vote for some women. Ten years later, all would be granted this right. Many of the East London suffragettes would go on to form part of governments themselves. Today, all women can vote, thanks to the efforts and sacrifices of the suffragettes. So when you turn 18 and get the vote, make sure you use it. Now you've heard the stories, have a look in your activity pack for some tasks you can do to learn more about the suffragettes. If you don't have a pack, you can download one online. See the show notes for details. OK, boring stuff for grown-ups coming up. Rebel Women for Kids has been produced by Share UK as part of our Women Activists of East London project. When not making podcasts for kids, we make shows for adults. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. Thanks to the William Morris Big Local for funding today's episode.